0: Good morning.
1: You're just in time.
0: Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement.
1: Let's start our day together.
0: Good morning. Come on in, pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn.
1: And I'm Amanda Miller, and we are thrilled to have you here with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show.
0: Cameron Clutters, our stalwart barista, and this morning... In the cafe, our friend from Urban Encounter Ministries, Brian O'Donnell, is with us to talk about living and evangelizing in the hilltop area of Columbus. Today, we also celebrate the conversion of St. Paul. So wishing all of our friends at St. Paul Parish in Westerville a blessed feast day and have a piece of cake.
1: Always on a feast day.
0: Absolutely. Good morning, Amanda.
1: Good morning, Dave. I have a question, but first I want to start in prayer. (laughs) Ready? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for another day. We thank you for your goodness and for your love. Lord, we ask you for the grace of deeper conversion and greater zeal. And Lord, we especially pray for all of our family and friends and, and those that we encounter, for for those who have not encountered Christ, for their grace of their conversion. Spark faith in our hearts, Lord, and help us to persevere. We entrust ourselves to the Blessed Virgin Mary, and we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Question. Yep.
1: What is a stalwart barista? <laughs>
0: He's there for us, here for us, every single day. Mm,
1: he is pretty faithful.
0: Producing, keeping us on time, redirecting. Is that
1: like a nautical term?
0: What? Stalwart? Mm-hmm. I don't
1: know. Oh, okay. I just. <laughs> Not a word you hear every day. Oh. So I thought I'd ask.
2: Well, we're... stalwart adjective, loyal, reliable, <laughs> and hardworking. <laughs> He's on its it.
0: Doesn't that describe
2: Cam? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank looking you, up, Cam. Looking up definitions in the middle of shows, usually with words that Dave says is part of my stalwartness. <laughs> Can
0: you look up uh, fresh avocado? Because <laughs> you had a uh, fresh avocado toast. I
1: did. I did. Avocado. For for everyone who doesn't know that reference, it's avocado. Fresh
0: avocado. <laughs> <Yes>. Fresh avocado.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> So, conversion of St. Paul today. Yeah. But I also had a volleyball game last night, too. Let's,
0: okay, before we jump into scripture, let's talk about getting <laughs> diggy with it. I
1: knew you'd want to talk about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, every Thursday morning.
1: Um. Yeah, so Wednesday nights, I so I've joined a volleyball league. This is kind of part of my not-resolution, New Year's resolution, mm-hmm. is do something new and fun. And uh, so I've joined a volleyball league. We've played, uh, we've gone maybe about three to four times now, which may- maybe we've played nine to 12 games now, <laughs> and uh, we haven't won one except last night. Yes. We won a game. So you played three matches, right? Yep. We lost the first one, won the second one, and then we're like, here it is. Maybe we can get this one. Unfortunately, we didn't win the third.
2: It's but. probably it's probably just as important to say that those games started at ten fifteen yes. So that was at ten fifteen. Ten start. fifteen PM. Yes. So what, you won probably right around eleven. It was the end of the second game, yeah. I imagine.
1: And keep in mind, I'm I'm sleeping by ten o'clock. I'm like going to bed by nine and I'm sleeping by ten. So yeah, I think it was a feat in and of itself. Everyone was a little extra loopy. Did, did the crowd just
0: go wild when you guys won?
1: <laughs> I mean, we went wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great.
0: Good job. Looking forward to next week.
1: Thanks. <laughs>
0: Good. So we have uh, the conversion of St. Paul, and the church offers us two options for the first reading, both both from the Acts of the Apostles. So perhaps um, let's do a little lexio. On Acts chapter 9, and it's uh, verses 1 to 22. You want to take a cam?
2: Yep. Saul, still breathing murderous threats against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for a letter to the synagogues in Dana- Damascus that if he should find any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them back to Jerusalem in chains. On his journey, he was nearing Damascus, and a light from the sky suddenly flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, Who are you, sir? And the reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, for they heard the voice, but they could see no one And Saul got up from the ground. But when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. For three days he was unable to see and neither ate nor drank. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to a street called Straight and ask at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is there praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias. Come in and lay hands on him, that he may regain his sight. But Ananias replied, Lord, I have heard from many sources about this man, what evil things he has done to your holy ones in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to imprison all who call upon your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. And I will show him what he will have to suffer for my name. So Ananias went and entered the house, laying his hands on Saul. He said, Saul, my brother, the Lord has sent me. Jesus, who appeared to you on the way by which you came, that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit, and immediately things like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. He got up and was baptized, and when he had eaten, he recovered his strength. He stayed some days with the disciples in Damascus, and began at once to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. All who heard him were astounded and said, Is this not the man who in Jerusalem ravaged those who called upon this name and came here expressly to take them back in chains to the chief priests. But Saul grew all the stronger and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus, proving that this is the Christ.
0: Amen. For me, this is one of those passages you're familiar with and you can kind of lose sight of just how intense Mm -hmm. this is so Paul breathing murderous thoughts heads off to Damascus with one goal and that's to imprison men and women Mm -hmm. who were following Christ then he gets knocked down blinded and then the folks he were he, he was traveling with pretty much lead him blindly into Damascus, where I'm sure people knew Saul's reputation,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they leave him there. Just that, I mean, put yourself into Saul's, I mean, what a day.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and to be left there completely helpless, blind, and mm-hmm. vulnerable. I mean, you're surrounded by people at that point that really want to take you out Mm -hmm. or would have every reason to, you know, to get rid of you for their own safety, for their own family's sake. And then the Lord comes to Ananias.
1: Right. Yeah, actually, that stood out to me in this particular passage is (laughs) The Lord comes to Ananias and, and like you said, Dave, Saul is breathing murderous threats and he's known for just the havoc that he's wreaking on the, the Christians, the people of the way. And, and then Saul comes to Ananias or, um, and then the Lord comes to Ananias and says, uh, you know, go, go to Saul. (laughs) <laughs> right. And so Ananias is in this position now where he's like, wait, are you, are you sure? <laughs> you want me to go to him? I could possibly lose my life. And, and I'm sure he had this moment of, uh, I'm, I'm kind of scared, Lord. I'm kind of unsure. You want me to go there? You want me to talk to him? You want me to be in that position? Uh, and yet he, he listens to the word of the Lord. Right. And then he even calls Saul brother.
0: Right. His greeting, Saul, yeah. my brother.
1: Yeah. And so I just in light of the conversation we're going to have today uh, with Brian, uh, founder of Urban Encounter, just this idea of, you know, when the Lord calls, I'm sure there are things that come up. It's like, oh, uh, here, Lord, or oh, in any of our lives, when the Lord calls us, uh, when he calls us to mission, when he calls us to ministry when he, whatever he asks of us are you sure lord this these people that do i do i have the strength or is this going to be dangerous is this going to be you know all the questions that come up and yet uh, are we able to ask for the grace to to receive the lord's name or to receive his word and then to even go out and say my brother my sister
3: mm-hmm.
2: and to serve i was also struck by just how little Paul becomes in this conversion moment when he's knocked down to the ground. He he is made small. In the words of John the Baptist, right, he has to decrease first. And then we're, when we're introduced to Ananias, that was kind of the thought, I think, that the Lord was carrying uh, through me was then we meet Ananias, who's already been little, who's already been small. That he's like, like, you're not you don't meet Ananias who's, who's preaching loudly in the streets, who's been thrown in jail, you know, three and four and five times. You meet Ananias who's praying in his room with the Lord. And when the Lord calls, he immediately can respond. Here I am Lord, because he's already like made himself small in that moment. So then when the Lord calls him to do the big thing, um, I, I, I often like to, when I'm like, especially reading what, the characters in scripture what the people say I often like to try to hear the tone in which they say it and I think the first time I read it through I heard Ananias say like are you sure lord like this guy (laughs) but the second time it was it wasn't as like um aggressive isn't the right word but it wasn't as um pitted against the lord but it was this like the the same way like a son asks his father are you sure father mm-hmm. um i i am willing i am ready to go i am i am here for this but are you sure um not out of like a disobedient way but out of a perfect obedient kind of way mm-hmm. um and really Ananias had to make himself small to do that and and then go to Paul from there and and that's where the like my brother comes from i think too is is here we are two men who have been small
0: yeah, they took Paul from full to empty pretty quickly. <laughs> right? right. Um, there There's one line here that uh, as the Lord is talking to Ananias, he describes uh, Saul as, as being there praying. So, you know, Saul is still talking to, to the Lord there. And... I doubt if he's breathing murderous thoughts at that point. You know, so you know what what is he praying for? Is he praying for a healing? Is he praying for help? Is he praying for forgiveness? I mean, the mm-hmm. the things that must be going through his mind. Right. At that point and then he's given that vision of a man named Ananias is going to come and help you. mm
1: mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah, yeah, and you think about—I mean, obviously he was a man of great faith, Mm -hmm. uh, but then he hears, "Why are you persecuting me?" Ah, could you imagine, like, hearing the Lord tell you that? I'm—I'm sure. Well, especially he—I mean,
0: he thinks he's doing God's work there. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. But then that's the beauty of his conversion, right? This total 180 turn.
0: So. The conversion of St. Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Great. half cake today. (laughs) Well, and and, uh, with uh, Brian coming up in a couple minutes, we're going to talk about um, this uh, witnessing uh, where you live and and getting to know the the people that are around you. And uh, let's take that with us today is to um, look closely at the people that are around us and look at their needs and then listen for God's voice to direct us. So, coming up next, Brian O'Donnell from Urban Encounter Ministries here in the St. Gabriel Cafe. O Almighty and Eternal God, look upon the face of thy Son Jesus. We present it to thee with confidence to implore thy pardon. The All-Merciful Advocate opens his mouth to plead our cause, hearken to his cries, behold his tears. O God, and through his infinite merits hearken to him when he intercedes for us, poor miserable sinners. Amen.
4: Do you have a minute for a gift? Each of us were made as a gift and to be a gift. We become a gift when we give ourselves to others. In baptism, we receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit to draw us closer to God and to help us live virtuously. The Holy Spirit's gift of knowledge helps direct our minds to make judgments in the light of faith. This gift of knowledge perfects the theological virtue of faith within us. God's Spirit of knowledge guides us in knowing what to believe and how to share it with others. Let us ask for the gift of knowledge and the grace to live virtuously. God's spirit makes us free. Let us ask for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let us live in the freedom that Jesus gives and become a gift of self for others.
5: I'm Lori Crock, and this is a Holy and Healthy Minute. When teaching people to lift weights, we take small steps to be sure they can move well and live safely before progressing into workouts. Small steps also serve us well in our spiritual lives. With God's grace and our cooperation, we can take small steps to love and serve others on his behalf. From Sacred Scripture, Hebrews 6, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. The saints remind us that God appreciates our small acts of great love in our ordinary lives. St. Anthony Mary Claret said, Our Lord has created persons for all states of life, and in all of them we see people who achieved sanctity by fulfilling their obligations well. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for your grace, which helps us take small steps to serve others in our ordinary lives. Amen.
1: Welcome back friends to the St Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller.
0: I'm Dave Orsport and we are pleased to introduce you to our friend Brian O'Donnell from Urban Encounter Ministries. Good morning, my brother. Yeah, good morning. On this feast day of the conversion of St Paul.
3: Oh yeah. We're going to
0: break this open today. Yeah. Cuz there's uh I think a lot um a lot of similarities not that you were like Saul, but I was I was worse. <laughs> I was way worse you were breathing murderous thoughts. Absolutely <laughs> terrible person. But just how uh, the how the Lord has led you, how you've responded to the Lord's voice. Um, but I'm jumping ahead in this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about uh, about growing up. Yeah, you're originally from sure. Fremont, Ohio.
3: The up near city, Toledo. My aunt used to call it Fun City, USA. Oh, yeah, Fun City, USA. But it's just. Really small, you know, 20,000 people, it's near Sandusky, mm-hmm. and it's a great place to grow up, you know, a small town, uh, had a great upbringing, Catholic, went to Catholic school, and I'm an only child, mm-hmm. uh, had, a, had a great Catholic upbringing, uh, enjoyed my faith, you know, practiced my faith, went to Mass every Sunday. My mom was a huge influence in my life, my faith life. Mm-hmm. She she was the rock and the one who lived out the faith, prayed every day and just instilled that faith in me. And so that's And
0: just, you were living it, so evangelized and sacramentalized?
3: I wouldn't I would say I was sacramentalized but not evangelized. And that's a term that as as I fell away from my faith, came back to my faith, I realized, yeah, maybe I was just sacramentalized, but not evangelized. Mm -hmm. So I really didn't, even though my mom was that witness, that example for me, I would say nobody really, not that I recall, intentionally evangelized me. Uh, You know, uh, Mm -hmm. I could say that, you know, they, they may have, but I'm not sure I totally responded to that.
0: Yes, so where where um was there a a turning away?
3: Yeah, for sure. I went to college at Ohio Dominican, and I just really wasn't rooted. I guess that's the best uh, term for it. You know, we just had the that parable yesterday Mm -hmm. about the sower. I definitely rocky ground. I did not have root in me, and. Boy, it really showed when I got to college. I did not, I was not rooted in my faith. And it, yeah, it was only, you know, a couple months into my journey at Ohio Dominican that I stopped going to Sunday mass. And it wasn't long after that, that, that really I started to buy into a lot of false philosophies and just didn't really have a community that was living the faith and... And just, it went downhill from there, and that lasted for quite a while, that down, downward spiral.
1: Brian, what were some of those false philosophies so we can have an idea of kind sure. of your mindset then?
3: Well, at Ohio Dominican, it's a liberal arts college, which is a great thing. You know, it's a, a wonderful thing to study the liberal arts. And we, we studied things like uh, Nietzsche, things like this. And, uh, you know, definitely if you don't have the right teacher, the right person who is able to point out the false ideals in these type philosophies, you can really, uh, it can really plant a seed of air in your mind. Mm-hmm. Of, And so I, I really did. I went down this road of pursuing some type of intellectual it was an intellectual pursuit in some regards like like anybody who's pursuing a liberal arts degree and you know over time I just really fell into a lot of false philosophies and it wasn't until I actually encountered Thomas Aquinas Mm. years later you know that I I was really surprised by the, the the just the truth of a Catholic philosopher, you know, I never really was introduced. I I don't remember being struck before that about a Christian philosopher right. as opposed to you know a Greek philosopher or anything mm-hmm. like that. But uh he was the first one where he really opened my eyes to the truth in the in the church and the and yeah, I I'm you know. But that here. came a lot yeah. later, though, right? That was I mean- later. Yeah, that was in. I don't know if you guys ever watched the, <laughs> the movie, what is it? Tommy Boy or something like that, yeah. you guys? Chris Farley? Yeah, I'm, I'm very sophisticated. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and there's a part in it where he's like, yeah, I I want to, uh, it takes a lot of people eight years to graduate college and he's like yeah they call them doctors you ever you remember <laughs> that part that's how I felt about about uh, your undergraduate about my college. Career. I'm like a lot of people take eight years <laughs> yeah they're they're doctors <laughs> but um yeah it took me a long time because I struggled with addiction and so I was really struggling finishing my degree and a lot of starts and stops and mm-hmm. I had this, um, I needed one credit hour to graduate Ohio Dominican. They had this trip to France. And this was, like I said, eight years later. And, or even more, eight, nine years later. And that's when I did that trip to study medieval culture and get five credit hours. I only wanted to go because I thought it was a cool trip. And then that's when I was introduced to...
0: Maybe a little bit more
3: of that Catholic
0: culture. Mm-hmm. I'd say so, well, the the, uh, the beauty.
3: Yeah, I'd say the you know we went to the cathedrals, mm-hmm. Notre Dame, and uh, all the all the beautiful French cathedrals. Studied Charlemagne, things like that, and it, it really opened my eyes to the to the Catholic culture, the beauty of the history of our church, and so that. You know, I came back and I did a paper on Thomas Aquinas and his studies with Aristotle, and that really, I'd say, was the spark for me.
0: Wow. Um, were you able to find some community at that point, or did that come uh, later? Or no, at that pretty point, much going on your own.
3: Yeah, at that point, I was still really struggling with addiction, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until a couple years later that I really had an encounter with the Lord, kind of, kind of like Paul did here you know like i'd say it was a saint paul type encounter it involved the bible uh that was part of it but uh the saint paul encounter was just you know this uh i don't know if you you mind me telling yeah yeah it was uh so at that time i was really involved in addiction and i was trying to quit on my own kind of like a an augustine type thing (laughs) you know like trying to do it on my own willpower I can do this. I can overcome this addiction, and just being frustrated, you know, re- realizing why can't I do this on my own? I had always tried to, you know, that old I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. Yeah, and muscle, it. It, muscle, yeah, and it, I it. It just white knuckling. I couldn't yeah. break this addiction on my own, and so I was doing good for a little while. And my friend had a bachelor party and i knew that there was going to be drugs there and i i didn't want to go uh, and then i rash i reasoned that oh you know i'll i'll go and i'll i'll just go home early well you know it didn't work that way next thing you know we're out all night and i was at this i uh, found myself at this drug dealer's house uh, and one of my friends came in and said, we have to go. This guy just pulled a knife on so-and-so. And, um, I'm like, I'm, I'm staying, you know, it was pretty crazy to think about that now. And I stayed because my addiction was more important than my friends and or your safety or my safety didn't care. And yeah, the next day, uh, thanks be to God, you know, I was safe and got home and had to really just face to face with my own addiction and how bad it had gotten, you know, how this path I was on that I'd never thought I would be on, you know. And then about two weeks later, I was working at the airport hotels then the night shift, midnight shift. And back then that was the days when you used to get the paper, you know, (laughs) we didn't have our, our phones or anything, but I would pull out the paper, read the paper every morning. And there was one section that I would never read. And it was the Metro section. And I I just was never interested in that, the crimes, all that stuff, the obituaries. It didn't interest me, but something, it was like an inner voice told me, I want you to read the Metro section. And I pull it out. And that drug dealer was on the the front page and he had committed a double murder. Mm. And it, it was like a punch to the gut for me. And for a couple of reasons, I realized that that was not just my voice. that was telling me to read the Metro section. It must've been God. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would say that that was my first real encounter with God. And, you know, I knew of God. I, I knew a lot about God. I, I could tell you any scripture passage, all of that, but I, never met him in that way i was i had never encountered him in that way and that was my first encounter and then
0: sharing his uh journey back to uh, back to the lord uh brian o'donnell from urban encounter ministries go ahead brian
3: yeah and then that was my i'd say first encounter with the lord and it was shortly after that that like you mentioned the bible uh that we laugh about now <laughs> It's kind of funny because at night I would look over and there would be this a lost and found, and uh, there's this huge uh, Catholic study Bible. That if you've seen it, the green one with the yellow stripe, and it's old school. And I used to laugh and say, "Who brings their Who brings their Bible to, to the hotel? And let alone a Bible, who brings this gigantic, ugly-looking Bible?" And how can you forget that when you're leaving your room,
0: right? It's you, so you, huge. you lose like, it. And then somebody put it like, in the lost. And found. Oh, where's
3: yeah. my gigantic Bible? Oh, I left it at the, um, <laughs> uh, I used to laugh about that, you know? And I'm like, who are these people? You know, kind of like that. And after, uh, and the Lord was working on me, he was just showing me, I'm like, maybe I should take that. And it's, I look back now that I was lost. I needed to be found mm. and I found what I needed in the lost and found. So it's God is it just amazing, you know, um, uh, and I, and to this day, I just have a, a deep love for scripture. I, from that day forward, I took that Bible home, started to read and I haven't stopped, you know, just continue to devour scripture.
0: When you were, your, your job also, the night shift probably gave you some time.
3: Mm, a lot of time. Yeah.
0: Then yeah, a know, lot of time. I, I can I can picture you, <laughs> Brian O'Donnell from Urban Encounter Ministry. I can picture you, kind of looking at that lost and found box or whatever that area, and and finally walking over. <laughs> and and uh, did you look around to see if anyone was uh, watching you or? Yeah, uh, and I've
3: just... I've told people before, and my friend Patrick, uh, who laughs about this story, he. Uh, you know, I'd never thought of it is that I actually stole a Bible. But he, he told me, he goes, so you're telling me you stole a Bible? <laughs> I go, I didn't steal a Bible. You know, it was. Needed to be it's claimed. It's a lost and found. <laughs> Come on. Like, nobody's <laughs> right. coming. I waited. And, no, you stole the Bible. No, I, I still claim that I did not steal that Bible. I just borrowed it. Well, I think the Lord probably put it there for you. Yeah. For sure. I mean, that person who left it there, I can't wait to meet them in heaven. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm. you're the person who left. <laughs> you did it on purpose, didn't you? Perhaps. Yeah. So, well, God Maybe they did. God has his ways, you know, and, you know, when I lose something now and that's the way I feel about it, hey, the Lord will bless somebody and hopefully I'll lose a Bible one day and somebody finds it and does the same thing so this
1: was your conversion moment your saint paul moment the lord tells you to look at this this Mm -hmm. metro section of the the newspaper you hear his voice and and you realize you need a life change
3: yeah for sure it was well number one it was the first time i clearly heard his voice and that's that's just a huge moment for anybody like saint paul the lord is speaking to you and you have no doubt that it's him. And I think as a, like you said, a lot of people are sacramentalized, not evangelized. Well, part of being evangelized is to know that you can hear God's voice, mm-hmm. that, he, that you're one of his sheep and he wants to speak to you. My sheep hear my voice. I never knew that. You know, I really never developed a personal prayer life relationship in that way. I knew him, but I I knew about him, but I didn't know him. Right. And part of knowing him is speaking to him, listening to him. Right. And I've been meditating a lot on, you know, Samuel in the temple mm-hmm. and he listens, right. He, what does he say? Speak Lord, your servant is listening. And that is so much part of that relationship, that conversion, that, that new life, you know, that you're set out upon with Christ is to know that he's a He's living and he's speaking to you. So that was a major turning point in my life. Hmm.
0: Jumping ahead then you um were helping out at Holy Family. Yeah. Uh, serving serving yeah. some of the the homeless community yes. down in that area. Yeah. And the Lord spoke to you mm-hmm. again.
3: Yeah, so early on in my conversion I started to have a love for the poor and served there for a while at, at the soup kitchen and then I had pursued a religious vocation for a little bit and uh, discerned out and I came back to Columbus and I just had such a love for the poor and I, I really would go down there. I'd make it part of my weekly schedule to go there and two hours on Wednesday I would go and evangelize the poor and had some great experiences there and that really led me to be inspired to start Urban Encounter.
0: Tell us about that area for, for our friends that aren't familiar with the area around Holy family. And we talk about Franklinton and, and and the Hilltop we're speaking with Brian O'Donnell from encounter urban encounter ministries. Um, Just tell us about that area. So uh, Hilltop and, and Franklinton.
3: Yeah. So at that time, the soup kitchen, they would serve about 400 people a day. I think it was, and the poorest of the poor would come and they would, Uh, feed them, give them things like wood bags, and they would be, a lot of them would be in homeless camps, and that was my first introduction into going into homeless camps, ministering to the homeless, getting to know them, getting to be friends with them, and getting to see them come to know Christ. You know, uh, I was seeing a lot of fruit and people coming to the Lord, and then, uh, so that area now is a little bit different. As you know, it's what we would call a little bit of gentrification is happening. It's it's not as poor, uh, and in a lot of sense, a lot of the poor are moving out into different places. Hmm. And so we see. I at the time I didn't know really much about the hilltop, but uh, I I kept in my prayer. I kept seeing these visions of Saint Aloysius Church, which I did not know anything about church at the time but in my prayer that's what I was seeing so I thought well I'm gonna just start driving around in that area and see what's going on well to my surprise I I knew it was poor I knew it was a depressed area but I just didn't know
0: how depressed it was the statistics are yeah remarkable down there
3: yeah and it's improving but when I first started going up there five years ago, it was really shocking uh, house after house after house was boarded up and there were uh, just, it would be a common place scene to see somebody just overdosing right there on the overdosing on drugs. Fentanyl. I didn't know much about fentanyl at the time, but Yeah. You would just see people having these strong reactions to drugs and, and just losing their minds, you know, in the middle of the street, uh, uh, you know, women prostituting themselves, uh, uh, you could just drive down the street and see right out in the open. this was just everything that you could imagine that is, uh, maybe an ill of society. It was right there and it was out in the open. And that was really shocking to me
0: When there there's that that movement then I just mentioned the statistics, and we can all read about the statistics of a, of an area, but when you are driving through yeah. and you're seeing these people and, and you're with them they it ceases just to be numbers yeah i mean you're, yeah. you're you're seeing the people you're seeing the lives that are yeah that um are being devastated
3: yeah, I remember the first time I really was impacted by. It. I had a couple friends that you may know, um Angela Rivera and Elizabeth Horn and we went out evangelizing one night and I said I just feel like we're supposed to go to Sullivan Avenue. And I again, I didn't know much about the area and I said I I just feel like there's a a prostitute there that needs our help. Mm. And we were driving down the road and We finally, you know, Angela said there, there's somebody over there. There's a girl over there and you know, it's freezing cold and this girl was hardly wearing anything. She's shivering. She's got a cast on her right arm. And, uh, they, they said we'll park the car and we'll get out and talk to her. And I stayed in the car because I was being so moved in my heart I just couldn't get out you know mm. and, and talk and um as she was coming towards us she, with this broken arm she was saying you're not going to hurt me are you oh my gosh and it and as they began to minister to her it became apparent that she just had been beaten the night before Uh, And there she was back out on the street feeling like she had to do this to to survive, you know, to, to live this kind of life. And yeah, I just sat in the car and I just started weeping. You know, I was like, oh, Lord, Lord, what It, it was just a moment of. Wow, Lord, your people are suffering. You know. Yeah. I mean,
0: it was. Uh, we're speaking with Brian O'Donnell from Urban Encounter Ministries. Did you, in, for you, in that moment, was it a crying out of helplessness for to help her or in her situation, or was it one of hope and and that you had power to? Yeah, I to just help her?
3: feel like in that moment, God. You just have these moments where you feel like he's giving you his heart. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment for me of, it wasn't my, because there's been plenty of other times in my life, even leading up to that, that I would have been like, all right, that's just the way it is. That's, that's life, you know? And these things happen, but at that moment, God really, I felt like he gave me his heart way he feels mm-hmm. uh, that I just didn't see this woman as a prostitute. I saw her as a child of God that that was suffering and I didn't have to have all the solutions at that moment. Mm-hmm. All I had to do was love her mm-hmm. and I was like, well I can do that you know I can I don't have to solve this problem. I don't have to have all the answers. all I have to do is go where you want me to go, Lord you told me to come up here tonight because you told me there was a prostitute who needed to be loved. And we found her and we loved her. That's all I wanted to do. Just like Ananias in the reading. Like um, I was just, we were just praying, go here, do this. Okay, I can do that, you know? And that's really how the ministry got started was, all right, what do you want me to do next, Lord? Actually
1: Brian, I was going to ask you is this moment one of the seeds of urban encounter mm-hmm. ministry coming? To yeah, life? for
3: sure. That was a seed if I look back to it. And I it's really interesting because uh that's the area we're literally like 3 blocks from there now. I would have never been able to plan that out. I would have never like I said, when we went there that night, I didn't know Sullivan Avenue. I didn't know its history. I didn't know how much people were suffering there. But the Lord knew and he knew that he would find a way for us to be there. And now we have a men's house on Sullivan Avenue, literally three blocks from where I first met that that woman. Mm-hmm. And, Brian, founder
1: you know, of Urban Encounter. So tell us like how this came about then what what (laughs) is the mission of urban encounter all
3: right the mission that we have is we're a group of missionary disciples who desire to bring cities back to the heart of jesus through proclamation demonstration and discipleship so and we have four pillars in our ministry we have evangelization community and help me out here. <laughs> uh so we have evangelization community revitalization worship. Ah, I got it. Yeah, so we we think that that's the way we're going to transform this area we we live in community.
0: Well, that I mean there's a difference then to serving coming into a community and then leaving again. Yeah. Versus actually.
3: Yeah. That was big for being me. there. That was big for me. The, the Lord time. told me when he told me, I want you to go live because it was great at the soup kitchen. I would go and just feel, you know, that, that poverty and my heart was there for the people. But then it's like, all right, I go back to my nice place and I'm comfortable for another week. <laughs> and that was. It was great. That's where I was at that time. But when the Lord said, Hey, I want you to be there. I want you to be with the people and live amongst the people. That was kind of scary. You know, that was, uh, it was a big step in faith for me. I, number one, I didn't have the resources to just say, all right, let me get this house in the hilltop. And if it doesn't work out, whatever, I had nothing, you know, I had to totally depend on the Lord uh, just like any good Franciscan, <laughs> and uh, that's where
0: I was. And he provided every step of the way. And because he wanted it. I, mean, mm-hmm. I again, coming back to doing something under your own power and yeah. trying to make things happen absolutely um, on your own. Your, your prayer was, "Lord, if you want this to happen, then yeah. um, you know, please make help make it happen." Yeah, I kept saying
3: that prayer. I said, just like in Acts of the Apostles when gamaliel, you know, mm-hmm. says, "Hey, if this is from the Lord, you're not going to stop it. If it's not from the Lord, you don't have to worry about it." Mm-hmm. And that's really was my prayer like all right, if this is what you want, Lord, nobody's going to stop this. And believe me, the roadblocks came and
0: until one kept... house became available, <laughs> right?
3: Yeah, actually that was a really cool story how that happened. We were doing some I actually was working with a guy that I met at the soup kitchen and he came to me one night and said, Hey, I have a dream. I had a dream and in the dream you were on this ho- at this house on Eureka Avenue and you were holding out your hands and you were giving stuff to the poor. <laughs> and I said, Oh, that's cool. You know, <laughs> and then, so I banked that dream. And then, um, when it came time to ask somebody the, who finally had the resources, uh, I was. the good Catholic man. He said, you yeah, have some properties up on the hilltop. Uh, two of them just became available. I said, oh, where where are they at? He goes, well, one's on Ogden and one's on Eureka.
4: <laughs> and then you what, said, I'll what, take the yeah. one on Eureka. Yeah, let's yeah, go yeah. take it.
3: Yeah, i look at the one on Eureka. And no kidding, this, it gets even better. We go there and about five minutes before I was about to look at the house, he wasn't there yet. I pull out my phone, check the messages and I had gotten this Facebook message from somebody on Facebook Messenger. You know how you have friends on Facebook. they're You don't really know them. Well, this lady was from Upper State, New York, and she left a message, and it said, Brian, is the Lord giving you some property right now to steward? Wow. And it's like, wow. Look. <laughs> you are just like... He's moving. ...caving away, you know? And so... It was just one thing after another to get us into a position to get that first house. And yeah, it's been amazing ever
0: since. Yeah. It, how how did uh your neighbors receive you? Or do they did they yeah. did they see you coming in to gentrify the area and, and kind of flip it mm-hmm. and then move out or because that happens pretty frequently yeah. in, in neighborhoods like this where you know, there's some work done on, on properties, yeah. and then it, they're sold for a higher price. And
3: Well, at that time, there was less of that going on, mm-hmm. and it was really, I don't think people were paying much attention, because that house is a little bit off the beaten path. Uh, so, that was just a period of being established. And then, when we moved on Sullivan, though, that's when you really noticed people really paying attention, even... When we moved into the Sullivan house and started to fix that one up, that that house used to be um, a notorious drug house. And so that, think about it, for 15 years, that, that was one of the houses that people knew that's where this happens. Mm-hmm. The prostitution, the, the drugs, and there was needles all over the yard. And we just started cleaning up. Uh, drug needles and people were kind of like wow what why are you doing that you know and because we we believe that we're christians you know we we want to want to bring jesus to this area and they're like wow really you know and it's the the response was very positive okay from the people yeah i'd even have people stop and they they were so so shocked that we were doing that they'd pull like twenty forty dollars out of their pocket like here give this towards the mission Wow. keep doing what you're doing you know that would happen on a regular basis people were so inspired that we were actually living in the area uh working with the people and then slowly you know people the people that were living in the area started to know that we were there to help them and they would start coming you know and then we would go out on the streets as well and evangelize and uh that's
0: that's how it got started. Brian O'Donnell, founder of Urban Encounter Ministries. How, how do these conversations begin? So you're out walking around. Um, is it really just listening to people, fi- figuring out, yeah. getting to know them?
3: Yeah, every person's different. They're unique. And we just train our evangelists to, number one, not be weird, you know, not... <laughs> Uh, that number is, one, number don't one. be weird. Do good starting be weird? point. <laughs> <laughs> and so we learn a lot of lessons too, how to approach people. And so, but being trained in, we call it the one minute gospel. If you can explain the gospel, the good news, the message of the good news in one minute, a lot of times that's all you have. Uh, but sometimes it is just listening to the person, and you don't always get. To share, they don't always receive. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it just takes that boldness. And we teach our evangelists to pray for boldness. And just like in the Gospels, they prayed for boldness and signs and wonders accompanied uh, the message. And so we, we just never undervalue that message that it has to be preached. Because uh, how can somebody come to faith unless they hear, right? Mm. And so, yeah, it might be one thing to sit there and you could talk to them for a half an hour and be like, oh, it's great, you know, but I never mentioned the name of Jesus. And what good does that do? Anybody, you know, if if uh, if I'm not there to bring them to the Lord. And uh, so that that's our goal, you know, when we go out is, can I share the gospel? Can I get your contact information? Hey, we have this bible study on Tuesday night would you like to come and that that's kind of where we start uh yeah a lot of times it is just listening they'll start pouring their hearts out and and you're just there for them you're we've literally had evangelists who have gone up to people and they're like you have no idea i was th- thinking about killing myself today mm-hmm. and god sent you to me i know he sent you to me Things like that happen, so it is just listening. Sometimes, uh, being being God's instrument, like Ananias was, he was God's instrument. God sent him to Paul. A lot of times, we're like that. We're the we're the person who God sends us to the right person mm. at the right time.
0: And our friends can find you online at U E M. So that's Urban Encounter Ministries, U E M dot That's right. Help us suburbanites Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) to do this where we live. Oh, yeah.
3: We do it in the suburbs as well. Okay. Yeah.
0: So we'll... So 99% of us are Mm -hmm. suburbanites. Yeah. So pick a suburb. You know, how how can we... How can... I mean, is it that much different?
3: No. I mean, I lived in Bexley when I first started doing it. And I would have these powerful encounters in Bexley. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, so the prayer
0: of boldness is, is yeah. Okay. Number ones, don't be weird. I mean, that still holds. <laughs> and true you're right? going to
3: be weird no matter what it's like. <laughs> I'm trying not to be weird, but really
0: it might come through. You're kind of weird, you know, but, <laughs> but so pray for boldness and, and Pray and, for
3: boldness. That's a prayer that I've found really helps me because people think they just say, Oh, you do it so easily. And there's times when literally my heart is pounding. It's like, Lord, really, (laughs) really, (laughs) you want, and I had to stop myself and say, okay, Lord, give me boldness, give me boldness to preach boldness,
0: boldness to preach his name and 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 to have that conversation. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And, uh, the more you do it, the Lord gives you that courage and it's a gift of the Holy spirit that, that, that courage, uh, to do it, to preach his name and, and yeah, it, I've done this many times, even in the suburbs, you know, at Panera Bread, at uh, the gas station, at the grocery store. And so just being wherever you are, you know, I don't spend 100% of my time on the hilltop. So there's times, some of my most powerful encounters are when I'm out and about on the plane, the airplane. I've had countless encounters on the airplane I'm just sitting there so like
1: really it's just an openness to Lord use me. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We're all stuck inside of a tube at thirty thousand feet is a great, <laughs> place that is great. yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. I've had some powerful encounters on the plane where literally people have gotten healed on the plane mm-hmm. and started weeping. Mm-hmm. And it's like the Lord wants to move wherever you are you're you have him living inside of you as my friend says he's just dying to get out mm. <laughs> you know you, Jesus is just dying to get out are we gonna let him out and that that can happen it doesn't just have have to happen in that area but yeah to be realistic it is sometimes more intimidating in the suburbs because a lot of times the those are the people that think they don't need Jesus They Mm. think they have it all together and you can go and say no you don't (laughs) you you need jesus you know and so just however that looks you know uh, get creative uh i don't know sometimes we go door to door i know this is what we started doing up on the hilltop we started saying hey We're from St. Aloysius. Uh, Do you know, have you ever been to that church? Uh Uh, Would you mind if some of our missionaries come and and tell you about the gospel? And if they give that agreement, what's to stop us from coming back? And saying, like, guys, literally there's a whole church that has, like, defected, you know? And we're sitting here, uh, you know, lamenting the fact, but God might be calling us to go back, get them back. You know, Mm -hmm. that's the first step. You can maybe go to your church and say, hey, who are some of the parishioners that haven't been in a while? Mm -hmm. Can we go? Can we just check in on them, knock on their door? I used to do this at St. Catharines. People would, you know, I remember Father Dury would send me to houses. He'd be like, hey, why don't you go check in on so-and-so? They need prayer for healing or something like that. So these are ways that we can really touch people, pray with them. Uh, get to know them. um uh, so What's the worst that can happen? They say no. And yeah, that's the little... You just have to learn how to deal with rejection as well. Well,
0: e- Even with that no, somewhere in there, the, the, the Lord is opening a door, right? And, Absolutely. And, and, and there's, there's... I can't ever remember being ungrateful for a kind word mm-hmm. or somebody showing up, e- even just to say, hey... How you doing. And I may not want to talk at that moment, but I don't ever remember being ungrateful for that person approaching yeah. me. Yeah. And maybe not then, but maybe it's the next person that shows up. And maybe maybe that won't be me, but Brian, you show up a day later, you would be that person.
3: I have a friend who I asked him about his how'd you come to the Lord? And he said these people show up on my door they knocked on the door i answered the door they gave me a miraculous medal and a rosary something like that and i was like well okay thank you P- plopped it in the drawer never thought about it it was like 2 years later the guys you know feeling the lord talk to him he's like oh yeah those guys they they gave me that rosary uh maybe that's how i can start praying again and Literally two years later, the guy starts, hmm. what if those guys wanted to come to his door? You know, what if they wanted to told him about Jesus right. th- that day?
1: And I think that's a great story to remind us that to not be discouraged. You know, whatever seed we plant and it, maybe it doesn't seem like it goes well, to just trust the Lord. He'll do his work.
0: Amen. Go back to that uh, passage in Acts today because the Lord could have done it on his own. But he asked Ananias to show up also. And he's asking us to work with him, to labor with him, and to show up as well. Brian O'Donnell, Urban Encounter Ministries, thanks for being in with us here Amen. in the
3: cafe today. Amen. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm.
0: Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit.
1: As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen.
0: Amen. We'll see you tomorrow.